Welcome to the People-Powered Community Podcast, where we dive into the inspiring stories of go-to-market professionals who have leveraged their skills to create strong and lasting connections within their community. Get ready to be inspired and learn how you too can harness your business superpower for good. Hello and welcome to the People-Powered Community Podcast. I'm your host, Leslie Greenwood, founder and CEO of Chief Evangelist Consulting. And today I'm very excited to be joined by Alice Hyman. She is the chief sales energizer of Alice Hyman LLC and host of the Sales Talk for CEOs podcast. Welcome, Alice. Oh, thanks so much for having me on this show. I'm excited. Yes, yes. I'm so glad that we finally met in person um, recently at a Women's Sales Pros event here in Dallas. And then um, I just kind of feel like we got on famously and now we've talked, I don't know, what, four times now since... uh, since last month? Yeah, that was really fun to have that in-person get together. It was great to see you and everyone in person, in real life, right? Yeah. And yeah, I agree. You and I have a lot of things in common and we both really care about community. And I think that's one of the things that really binds us. Yep. 100%. Well, let's start off with you telling us a little bit about you. Where, where did you come from? Well, you don't have to go all the way back to where you come from, but you can totally do that if you want. What do you, what are you, what's brought you to where you are and what you're doing now? And I'll tell you, I just want to start off folks. If you've not looked at Alice's um, LinkedIn, you are just going to be amazed at the number of advisory board members, speakers, founders that are on your profile. I was just kind of blown away. Oh, thank you. Um, I have been around a long time, which accounts for some of it, but I won't give away my age. <laughs> um, but I've done a lot in in the time that I've been in the business world. I didn't start in the business world, however. Um, some people who know me know that I started as an elementary school teacher. Uh, that that may be a story for another day, but um, I didn't start in business. I started in education. And the way I jumped in or was catapulted into the business world was because my father and his partner, Bob Miller, had founded a company called Miller Hyman way back in the late 70s when I was still in college. And as I got out of college and started working as a teacher, I was a special ed teacher, by the way, and a reading specialist after that. Um, by way of my master's degree. So never never took a business class <laughs> and no degrees in business, but I hung around my dad's company a little bit in between whatever else I was doing. And uh, when he uh, bought the business from Bob Miller, he needed help and kept asking me to help him. And finally, he actually talked me into coming to work for him. Uh, so that's how I went from kindergarten to corporate. Maybe that's the name of a book. So, yeah, so that's kind of how I got into the business world. And, you know, it just happened that my father was in the business of sales methodology and training the world's largest companies on how to use sales methodology properly. And I got catapulted into that and didn't know at the time when I came to work for him that he wanted to sell the business, but he did. And so I was really only there three years. And then I uh, started my own company. Now that wasn't the first company I started, but we can talk about that in a little bit. Uh, but I, I did that in 1997. So that's when I started my current company and doing the work that I do today with CEOs to energize their sales. 
that's amazing. I mean, kindergarten to corporate, number one, <laughs> and special education teacher. Maybe this is also why we have this like behind the scenes connection. My son is dyslexic. And so having gone through years and years and years and years and years of Horton Gillingham training, uh, yeah. I have a special kinship with reading specialists. Yeah, for sure. Oh, a hundred percent. I remember many, many parents and kids who, you know, just were hopeless and we got them going in the right direction. And it's just, just a whole new world when a kid figures out that they can read books. It's, uh, yeah. yeah, we're still getting there on the books. We just still don't love books, but you know, we're in college, so it's all good. It's all good. That's okay. But he yeah. can read them. <laughs> yeah, of course. Of course. So well, let's talk a little bit about your superpower. I mean, we, uh, we've had a couple iterations of it, and I think it's been so interesting on this podcast to see the, the evolution of what people bring me. So people will bring me their you know, business, kind of very specific what I do superpower, which I tell them is a skill and to try again. Um, they will bring me something that's like so deep rooted in their past and then everything in between. So we're, we've, we've made a couple, we've had some good chats about it, but, um, you know, I do believe that everyone has one that's foundational to their core being. And so I'd love to hear what yours is. Yeah, I agree with you. I do think that everyone has a superpower. Uh, sadly, I feel that most people have not discovered theirs yet. It's an amazing thing when you do discover it. And I always say, when people ask me, what's your superpower? I say, it's connecting. I connect people with the right people and marvelous things happen. I connect ideas, people with ideas, you know, and the right things happen. But then when you and I were talking a little bit more about it, and I said to you, well, I just love to start things. I'm a starter of things. I just ignite, you know, it's like I just ignite stuff. And so I think that behind my connecting power, the real superpower may just be that ability to ignite things. I love that. And I think that that goes very much with what um, I think maybe it was your personal assistant added in to the, our original forum, which is, you know, I inspire and guide CEOs to elevate their sales, to increase their valuation. So you're really igniting the CEO's power to take their business to the next phase. Right. Well, that's why they call me the chief sales energizer <laughs> because I, I, you know, energizing is kind of like igniting, right? I'm, I'm getting the excitement and really the fun back into selling because I cannot tell you how many companies make selling so hard. They make buying hard and then selling becomes even harder. And, you know, I live in the world of the business to business complex sale. So I work with companies that are like between 20 and a hundred million dollars in revenues and they have less than 25 salespeople and they're selling to companies that are 100 to 1000 times their own size. Oh, wow. So, and they're selling big deals, hundreds of thousands or millions of dollars. Right. And it's like, Oh, I get there and it's like, it's hard and we can't close these deals and this stuff is going on. And, uh, there's no prospecting just on and on. Right. And they're like, yeah, we, you know, we don't know what to do. And I'm like, well, first of all, we're just going to make it fun and easy. Cause how about that? And then everybody will want to do it. Right. So I think that's a really important thing. Sales should not be hard and it should be fun because sales like teaching is a helping profession. 
we help people solve their problems. And when we're solving things, the whole world goes better, right? I can solve your problems with the tool or the, the topics, the intellectual property, the services, whatever it is that I'm selling, right? If I can solve for you, your world becomes a better place. You can hit your goals. You can be happy. The people who work with you can be happy. Your customers will be happy. So when we start to think of sales as solving, things get a lot easier right off the top. How do you, I'm, I'm curious about this because I'm not very familiar with the enterprise sales world and, you know, more definitely SMB. We talk, we, you know, you like the product, you like me, you say yes. I mean, that's more, that's, right. that's how I know how to sell. So maybe could you break down for me a little bit? Like, so you're selling a very, like you said, a complex product and then you're making your process complex for both your sellers and your buyers. Like, what does your brain go through to take that and break it down into something like for me? I'm like, yeah, that sounds great, Alice. You're going to take this super complex, super complex. You're like, let's just make it easy and fun. Like, how does your brain think about that to even get to the point where you could pinpoint it into easy and fun? Right. Well, you know, first let's, you started to define the complex sale and what's a little different, right? Than uh, a, a more business, business sale that's not complex, right? Well, when, when you have to sell a product or service that one person at a company can make the decision for, it's not that expensive. They ha they can use their credit card for it, or maybe they're the owner. So, you know, they can make the decision completely by themselves because it's a small company, right? It's not so complex. It doesn't take so long, right? But in these big, big deals that I'm talking about with these, you know, we, a lot of people call them the enterprise deals, right? They're so complex because um, the buying process is complex and lengthy because lots of people have to get involved in it. And they have a lot of rules and guidelines about how to purchase at these companies because they're big companies. So that's one thing. The selling side has a lot of complexities because the products usually aren't just plug and play. And even if they are, it's there's still some aspect, you know, some technical aspect, some integration aspect, something more than just here you go, we'll deliver it and it arrives, right? Um, so there's some tech technical stuff that has to happen. Um, then if it's um, something that renews, you know, if it's some kind of software that goes with it or service package or maintenance package and it renews and we're trying to maybe do a multi-year deal or even a one-year deal, the attorneys are going to get involved because there's a contract and they have to read it. They have to redline it. They have to send it back. And whose paper is it going to be on? Our paper or your paper? You know, there's a lot of things. Um, and then, you know, when you just are dealing with humans and in these deals, there's you know, minimum five or eight people, sometimes 12 people who are working together, collaborating, um, trying to come to consensus to choose the right solution and make sure it can get implemented in the time needed. So everybody's got their own like, okay, well, I needed to be able to do this by this date and I needed to do this. And then it has to work like this for my team. And so they all want their say mm -hmm. in it. And some of them feel more favorably towards the solution and some of them don't. And so it gets pretty complicated, right? And, and the salesperson has to guide all of this and help all these people come to consensus. So the first thing I do to unravel it all, you know, is just have them tell me what's a typical process looks like. So who are your ideal customers? Um, why do they need this thing that you sell? Uh, does it 
get them out of trouble or does it help them grow? Or is it sometimes either one of those choices? Um, then I want to know who are the people, what are their titles and what, you know, that buy from them and, you know, who of that subset is most likely to buy, you know, is it more the engineers? Is it more the, you know, the operations people? Like I, I want to understand who's more going to um, be in favor and be the champion. So I want to hear like, what were some of the deals that you've done in the past? Like, then what are all the steps that you as a company have to go through to get to the point where somebody at the buyer signs on the dotted line and you can implement? And then what does that look like? Right. So I need to understand that. And that's not real complicated. They can always tell me and there's some variation, you know, but they can tell me. And then I say, well, great. What does it look like from the customer's side? So then I start to point out, here's the gaps where you're not meeting them. And that's why you're stalling here because the customer doesn't understand what you're doing. And they're, you, you've gotten ahead of them and they haven't had a chance to catch up. And here's where you made it really difficult for your customer. So they had to go back to their whole team and rework everything and come back to you. So that took a long time. So we just match what they believe is their, they call it their sales process, right? To what is the customer's buying process. And when we find the gaps, then we can start to fix them. So um, it doesn't take long for me to see, because I've been doing this a long, long time. You know, right there, that's that's your first friction point that's got to be fixed. Yeah. Um, and it's it's really a relief. But some of it is so simple that they can like almost do it instantly and make a difference and and move a deal forward because they remove that friction point. But it really needed, I mean, I, I was picturing your igniting underneath this because it's like you're <laughs> igniting them to go through the process, then, you know, having them match that up with the buyer process. And then you're able to see the whole picture because of your experience and they're in the day-to-day -day and they're not able to see it. And it's just kind of like, you're lighting a little bit of a fire under their butts to move everything yeah. in the right direction and, and be a little bit, not that they weren't, but more customer focused on the other end right. or have that lens. So it's very interesting. Well, just igniting them to even think that they should consider the customer. Like I, I literally have done these exercises at companies where I put them in teams and I'm like, map your customer journey. And they came back and what they've done is map their own sales process. I'm like, go, go back. Be the customer and go through your process. What does it look like from the other side? And most people just simply can't do it. It's really hard. And then they, they realize, oh my gosh, I just, I don't know. And I'm like, well, you have to know because otherwise it's going to stall. Yeah. So you have to know. Yeah. Uh, and so that that's kind of fun. So just getting them. And then the idea that, oh my gosh, we're going to have to do a few things differently. <laughs> and, you know, no one likes change. Even when it's better, it's just hard, right? But what's fun is they do change because they see, oh my gosh, yeah, like that works. That's easier. That is better. And they get super excited. And then they go do the things I'm telling them to do. And they come back and they're like, it worked, you know, and they're just raving about what happened with the customer and what, you know, so it's really fun for me because some very small changes add up to big, big results. That's, I'm going through a very similar process with um, one of my customers and um, they're, they're a, a membership community and they're moving everything into HubSpot. So we're migrating a community from Facebook to Slack while we're migrating from some crazy CRM that 
I haven't heard about in 10 years to HubSpot. And so this is our complete opportunity to reimagine the customer journey. Like I keep, we keep talking about, like, we're not migrating to Slack. That is not our goal here. Our goal is to reimagine their experience from start to finish. And it's very interesting, just like you said, um, I'm like, well, how do the, what happens after the member, after the member pays? Huh. I'm gonna have to go find out. I'm like, okay, yeah, let's, let's do that. And let me actually say a few words about that because I use Slack with many of my clients and they put up Slack and don't train anybody on how to use it. So the other day I had this experience of trying to help someone new to Slack download it on their phone and figure out how to connect all of their different Slack boards. (laughs) I, because like me, I have, I think 12 different Slack groups that I'm in and I can easily, this is what I love about Slack. I can easily move between them. This person didn't even know. They thought they had to log into one then log into the other. And I'm like, Oh, okay. So then, um, they on their computer, you know, trying to help them figure it out. And I thought, you know, companies need to train people on Slack. It is not plug and play. They need to know how to put it on their phone. They need to know how to turn off their notifications or turn them on. They knew how to put themselves as active or inactive. So if you're going to develop a community using Slack, there needs to be starter videos, you know, little one minute, two minute starter videos, how to do this, how to do that, how to invite someone. Cause they're all, everybody on almost every Slack channel that I'm in asked me, how do you, how do you invite people again? You know? Um, so it's, but okay. And it's not that easy cause it is a little hidden, but there just needs to be more help. And it's almost like if Speckit or Walk Me was inside of Slack, imagine, because then it's like, how do I do this? It would just pop right up. But um, it's just not plug and play. So yeah, that it, that's the question. It's like, so they registered, they're going to move over to this community. Now what? Do you even know if they know how to use Slack? <laughs> well, why we will have an Ask Slack channel and many one minute videos because Slack's tutorials are written as if I were an engineer, not someone who just wants to favor the channel. So a hundred percent that will be happening. Well, um, all right. Well, where do you think this, where do you think your, your superpower came from? Hmm. Where did my superpower come from? Probably when I was little, um, I mean, I think maybe I was born with some of it for sure. Cause you know, I've always been the one kind of gathering everybody and, you know, starting clubs and starting nonprofits, starting businesses. I started several, uh, and I help others start. So I, I think I've been doing it since I was young. I think part of it is because, uh, when I was little, my parents were divorced and I was the oldest, uh, and having to take care of my siblings and having to get them to do things. And I had to learn how to do a lot of things besides just what a normal kid does. So, um, I guess I just got really good at how to do things and then being able to show others how to do things. And then part of, I think my personality is just being able to ignite, you know, and I think that comes out in many ways when I was young, but also today in the fact that I can lift others up. Right. So that spark does something, you know, it gets a result and the result is that others are lifted from it. And that 
is very, very gratifying. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. When I know we talked a little bit about this and when we were talking beforehand, but when did you realize that this really was like your superpower? Like, when did you name it? I think when I got into business and really saw that my gift for connecting people and networking and connecting myself, I'm very good at connecting myself and connecting others. I think that is when I started to realize that I was a connector, you know, and then, you know, thinking back through all of the things that I started up and I started a lot of things around connecting. <laughs> I, I developed a, an event called the biz talk blender. So instead of a mixer, it was a blender because I was sick of mixers where people stood around talking to the people they already know. So you're, you're right. So then I'm like, okay, we're going to blend it. Right. And we're going to get everybody in there. And so I had this whole format for these events and I did that as a side business for quite a while. Um, running these events on my own and inviting my own crowd, but also running them for chambers and other organizations for conferences who wanted their people to actually really meet other people, not just come and talk to the people that they already knew. Um, so I, I've known, I think, since I was in business, when I, before I went into business with my dad, I had started a business, which was a children's bookstore and resource center for parents and teachers, connecting the dots of, oh my gosh, even if a parent wanted to help their child learn how to read, they don't know what to do. Of course, I was a reading specialist, so I taught parents how to teach their kids how to read. And I said, you know, school's going to do part of the job, but you you've got to do part of it too. So I taught them a super simple method that anyone can do read aloud, read along, read alone. So first I taught them how to choose the book that was at their child's level, right? Not too easy, but also not too hard. It has to be right at the right level so they can move ahead. And then I taught them a simple method. You can remember read aloud, read along, read alone. So the parents read aloud to the child and show the the book to them at the same time, they read it together. And then the child reads it alone. You can't fail. So, you know, it was just a thing I started. Right. And I, I just, just I don't think I invented that, but <laughs> I certainly made it popular around the parts where I was. So, um, yeah, so I, I think that you know, I, it's like find a gap and fill it. That's kind of me. And I used to do it a little too much, but I saw that gap with the parents. And so I started this center and brought in the right materials and parents could come in and I would help them choose properly. And then they would have great success. Um, and then I, right, right along that same time I was pregnant and I, um, I was also teaching and I had this bookstore and I started a mother's club. It was like, how do busy mothers do this? Busy mothers need help. Busy mothers should help each other because you've already got a pile of kids and a pile of diapers and baby food and bottles. So what, what, what's one more kid, you know, or whatever. So I started this whole babysitting club and it had all this meals for moms when they were pregnant and who was going to be there for how many days after the mom came home. And I had this whole system set up and it grew to like 600 mothers and it, it split off like three times. So um, I don't know. I mean, I just get an idea and I get other people excited about it and then it works and then they do it. Well, you're an executor as well, obviously. <laughs> ideas don't just, you know, they don't just come to fruition. 
Um, you also told me when we were chatting before that you have a nick. You've been nicknamed Amp. <laughs> yeah. Oh, one of my clients used to call me Amp, and I think that's where I got the chief energizer name from because my clients say things like that. You know, I I amp up sales, right? I energize sales, um, and I think that I truly do make it fun and easier for everyone that I work with. And they really do love that. So yes, AMP was one of my nicknames fondly from one of my uh, CEOs. Well, I will just tell you, if I'm going to um, talk to someone about saying no, maybe you're better at it now, but talk to someone about saying no to things and holding boundaries. I'm not sure you and I should be in each other's support group. <laughs> no, but I'll tell you, I've gotten much better uh, for years. Almost every idea that I got, I would try to do. And that was too much. And I finally learned to have an idea book and write the ideas oh. in there and let them settle. And then if I'm still excited about them in a few days, kind of write out what steps it would take to do them. And if I really want to do them, or it's just a fun idea, <laughs> right? And right. so it's a lot better now. Um, I still have trouble saying no on other things because I am one of those people who wants to help people all the time. That's just I think it's part of, you know, part of this whole thing that I have to connect people and want to help people. And I should definitely say no more. So yeah, I could not be in a club either to help other people <laughs> say no, because I wouldn't <laughs> be very good at it myself. <laughs> oh, well, do you, and, and so, I mean, this is obviously a very innate skill to you. And I, I find that as people dive into what their true superpower is, it's, I'm like, if I said, describe to me you know, what are the steps in the process of, of what you think about? And very, many, very few people can tell me, but I wonder if do you do anything right now to like feed your superpower and keep it nurtured. Um, you know, uh, my superpower is nurtured every day because what I have done in my life over many, many years is narrow, 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 mm -hmm. narrow. And, you know, I, I said, I've been doing this a long time, well over 20 years and that is one of the things that I learned. The more specific you are, the more actionable it is. Uh, the more narrow your niche is, the more you can niche into that and be known for, right? And so every day, in every way, I get to use my superpower. I am always connecting people, connecting ideas, starting new ways for them to do things that maybe not brand new, unique, but something they haven't done before, might've thought about, but hadn't done it yet and get them started on that path. So starting things happens every single day. So it does get nurtured and I do think about it and I do write it down for them too. So if there's a process that I have to start over and over again at each company, I started to put it in a playbook. So like a hiring process that seems to be difficult for a lot of companies. So I've made a playbook for my clients that they can tailor. I help them tailor it to their own company, but um, that way it's just less work for everyone. I don't have to start it from scratch every time. Yeah, true. Do you think about like, as you, I know you said you're in a, quite a few communities, we're in a community or two together. Um, how does that superpower, like, do you think about it in community? Like, I mean, obviously it goes right into community, like what you're doing, like you're gathering your, your co-mingling. And if they're not co-mingling properly, you're going to blend them up, um, you know, getting people excited, things like that. But, you know, is that, you think about that the same way in community? 
Yeah. Well, for one thing, being in a community is worthless unless you communicate, right? So I actually show people that I'm there by at least giving them a high five or a star or something, you know, when they comment something, not not on every single comment, of course, but, um, uh, you know, on many. And then I also, I read things and then I connect, right? The dots. So it's like, oh, somebody is looking for a job as an AE. I just saw a job as an AE. I wonder if she saw it or not. I'll tag her. And then she's super thankful, right? Or I'll post for one of my clients and say, I need three terrific AEs, right? And I recently got three women hired by one of my clients by posting in uh, the women in sales group that um, Alexine oh, yeah. uh, runs. So I... I do think about it all the time. How can I connect them? I had a private message or I saw a public message from someone who was really struggling because she couldn't find a job. And I had already been talking to someone who was really struggling because she couldn't find a job. And I put the two of them together. And I said, well, maybe you two can, you know, use the ideas that I've shared with you and lift yourselves up, you know, because again, like if I did, I, I wouldn't be able to work if I did all that. <laughs> helping that I, that there is out there to do. Right. Oh yes. And that's, it's such a, I think people like you and um, me, it's, it's difficult. It's a difficult balance in wanting to help and say yes, then holding boundaries and, you know, understanding that money needs to be made and clients need to be serviced and all of that stuff. But I love the idea of connecting two people who could support each other and give each other ideas, et cetera. Well, let's, as we kind of close out here, tell us, you know, there's somebody out there listening that has that same superpower as you thinking like, yeah, I do that too. What is, mm -hmm. what's a tip or an action item that you would give them that as they're coming through and, and making that superpower valuable to them in life and in business, what's something you would leave them with? Well, I think a lot of times people think that their superpower has nothing to do with their current work. They can't figure out how to use their superpower in their current mm. work. And so I would push you to think about it because I bet you can. I bet there's a way for you to use your superpower. So when I used to think of my superpower more as just connecting, right? Then I was like, oh, how do I, how do I connect? How would I monetize that? Like, how, how would that work, right? I couldn't figure out any way that that could work with work other than just being a nice person. I meet you. I introduce this person to you, you know? And then I kept thinking about it more and more and like, how can connecting be part of my work? How can that help my clients? How can I monetize my superpower? And then I found more and more and more ways to do it um, because it is natural to me and I can do it very easily. And, um, you know, when I'm, when I'm in my genius zone, I am using my superpower, right? That's part of what makes it my genius zone. So I would just ha have you think about your superpower, how you currently are using it, how you might use it or might use it differently. Yeah. I mean, that's uh, just as you were thinking through that, I was thinking because I'm, that's an area I'm like, if I could get paid to just do what you're talking about, connect people all day, give you yeah. resources. Oh, you're looking for a new job. Have you talked to so-and-so? I think they have a, they run a great fractional kind of service. I think you'd be a great fit. You know, like I could be a recruiter or a matchmaker or whatever, you know, um, something like that. But I'm just thinking about that as I'm working in my business and, you know, I get deeper and deeper in with these companies, like the one I was talking about, like, 
they need to do the entire HubSpot migration. I know people that can do that for them. And, you know, I may or may not make any money on that, but that value add, we're like, yeah. they're not getting community. They're going to get someone who's going to help them do their HubSpot and then a contractor to help them do some extra work that because I'm a connector. And so but I will say to you, why not make money on it? And here's what I, I do. I vet the people that I refer. So I've already done the hard work of making sure that they're, they're good at what they do, that they deliver as promised. And I talk to some of the people who they've done work for, or they've done work directly for me. Right. And so I've taken some of your work away from you. Right. Um, and then for the person that I'm referring, I am taking some of your sales work away for you, which you would have had to pay someone to do. And you did not have to pay them because I walked you in the door. Therefore, the commission that you might pay to a salesperson could come to me instead or a portion of it. So there sure. are ways that people feel good about paying you to help them find each other. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. No, it definitely that's uh, on my mind. And um, then I for the other way to think about it is like I feel good bringing in someone like that contractor who can now do excellent yeah. work within you know, go on a great vacation with the side hustle money that he made, you know? So there's lots of different ways to look at it. Well, Alice, this has been an amazing conversation. Thank you for sharing your superpower with us and all the different ways that you've used it and transformed it um, over the years. And especially the actionable tips at the end. I actually am taking actionable tips also from you on that. So well, <laughs> Everyone, thank you so much. Um, Alice, we are going to find you obviously on LinkedIn. Is there anywhere else that um, they should check you out? Yeah, you can find me on at alicehyman.com. That's my website and all my social links are there. My blog is there. My podcast is there. It's all there. Okay, awesome. Well, folks, follow along and thank you much, very much for listening to us. And we will see you again next week with another episode of the People Power Community Podcast. Thanks, Alice.